Hello and welcome to the Civil Service World podcast. My name is Richard Johnson and I'm the acting editor of Civil Service World. In this edition of the podcast, we speak to HMRC's second permanent secretary, Angela MacDonald, about the department's role at the forefront of the government's coronavirus response and how it rolled out programmes like the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme so quickly and with most staff working from home. We also speak to Angela about her promotion from Director General of Customer Services to Second PermSec during the pandemic and what it was like to start such a top civil service role while working remotely. So hello Angela and thanks for joining us on the Civil Service World podcast today to discuss HMRC's coronavirus response and the latest performance statistics from the department for the three months April to June. Obviously statistics covering that period are covering an unprecedented period for the country with the lockdown that was going on and how that affected both government in general and HMRC in particular as it rolled out large support packages for the economy during that period and staff transitioned to working from home. What do you think the stats show about how HMRC managed during the three-month period? Hi, Richard. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you. I think that HMRC has delivered an immense amount for the UK economy and for businesses and individual citizens during this period. So like every organisation, we really had to focus on the safety and security and health and well-being of our colleagues and so very quickly like every other organization 55,000 people an enormous proportion of those were immediately working from home alongside the government requirements and yet the business of tax the requirement to pay tax credits the need to keep child benefit going those didn't diminish all of those families and businesses still needed us and on top of that We have delivered some incredibly new and innovative schemes to support the economy at pace. So the job retention scheme, the self-employed scheme, just most recently eat out to help out, support for statutory sick pay. So what has been really, uh, what I'm really proud of from HMRC is not only have we had to continue to be a functioning tax and benefits authority, incredibly important with so many people relying on us but we've also had to deliver in short order some things which were never within the concept of things which HMRC did as you know we'd spend our time taking money in not handing it out so it has been incredible to see what the organization has done during this time. And yeah we can come on to some of the the elements of the support schemes in a moment but just to give people a flavor of those statistics the customer satisfaction with digital services actually grew in the latest statistics from 82.7% in the last quarter of 2019-20, the previous financial year, to 85.6% in this period. And there were also increases in customer posts cleared within 15 days of receipt, although there was a slight increase in the average customer call waiting time. Just to give us an idea, how did the organisation move its customer services to working in the kind of remote environment that you're talking about and keeping those satisfaction levels so high? Well, we had already for this last few years been on a journey of investing in our infrastructure. So, for instance, 
all of our colleagues have Surface Pros in the, so that allows them to flexibly work in our offices and work at home, for instance. And we'd already invested in some web chat capability. And we were actually coincidentally in the middle of upgrading some of our digital capability. So it was fortuitous, I suppose, I thank goodness in, in looking back, that we were already well advanced on a journey to help us to be more efficient and effective as an organization, but also more flexible in the way our colleagues were able to work. It is absolutely undoubted, though, that when we went into lockdown, we accelerated some of our infrastructure in a way that we probably taken an awful lot longer to do if this had been a business as usual environment. So within the first couple of weeks, we had made massive upgrades to our infrastructure and our network capacity because suddenly we had 50,000 people accessing the network from outside the buildings as opposed to inside the buildings. And that definitely makes a difference. But we also were really brave in some of the things that we decided to do. So we put web chat everywhere it was possible to put web chat. Again, I'm not sure if we would have done that in normal times because we would have wanted to test it and we would have wondered what our customers would have thought. But we thought, well, actually, let's just do it and see what happens. We also tested for the very first time using the capability for people to take telephone calls at home. Again, we would have perhaps been a little bit more careful and reluctant in other times to do it. But we were very clear that we, if we were going to prioritise the capability and the, the needs of our colleagues, but still deliver, then we needed to take some bold steps in the, the use of our technology to help our people to be able to service our customers. And actually, the response from colleagues and customers was far better than we could ever have hoped. And actually, our customers were incredibly patient. So... Yes, this meant that we had colleagues at home where the dog was barking in the background or the noise was coming in from the window or you could hear children you know, screaming around the kitchen. But actually, our customers were in the most instances and we, we had some incredible feedback, just really grateful that there was somebody there answering the phone, somebody there to help them and very understanding of the fact that we were working at home just like the customers in many instances were. So we rode the opportunity of investments we had made, but then took some quite bold steps to decide that we were going to roll out faster in order that we could keep delivering. And just to dig into one of those stats, if we can, the fact that the high proportion of customer posts was still being cleared within 15 days of receipt, as I said, 83.9%. How, as an organisation where everyone was, or the vast majority of people were working remotely, did you manage to, to keep that level of performance high? Again, it's about thinking about how far we were through a digital journey. So we had already invested in scanning of our post. So we were well advanced in moving away from post literally turning up at buildings and being wandered around with a post trolley. Post is, a, is now virtual, so it might be sent to HMRC as a real piece of paper, but it doesn't actually reach our colleagues as a real piece of paper. It gets scanned in through a mass scanning mechanism and then is delivered digitally to the desktop of the colleague. Now, we were already halfway through that build with about half of our post having been scanned as opposed to arriving physically at a desk and we what we did was we accelerated work to progress as much more of that post as we could manage going through the scanners so that it could be delivered digitally to our colleagues who are working from home there was some stuff that you couldn't do that with and that is why through this period we still had some 4,000 or so colleagues coming into the office because there was some 
work that you just could not do at home. It was physically not possible to do it at home. But we looked across all the types of contact that our customers give us and worked out what we need to do to give the work to the colleague. As I say, a fantastic opportunity to exploit some transformation that we were, we'd already been making great progress on. So the, this statistics publication doesn't include the coronavirus job retention scheme and the income support schemes that were launched by HMRC. But we wanted to get an idea from you about how the department managed to launch those schemes at such short notice. From a kind of customer service perspective, was that a really big challenge to turn those around as quickly as the department did? It was a massive challenge and it's a real testament to the contribution that was made from all sorts of areas. So we worked incredibly closely with Treasury and with the Chancellor around what the design of the scheme should be and what made the most of the data and technology that we already had, as opposed to a sort of a wish list of things that we might have wanted to do. So what could we build most expediently based upon where we were? We then had to take that into building some IT, and we had some fantastic work with our IT teams and our supply partners on turning around a digital service very quickly. And we were, again, supported by customers who who did some road testing for us, and and we had uh, people helping us with the design. But from a perspective of the colleagues, we were expecting an enormous flow of customers who would be very worried and very concerned This is totally new to them. They were going through lots of circumstances that were very concerning for their families, for their businesses. And so we put an immense amount of effort into how do we communicate how the scheme works? How do we think innovatively about telling people the mechanisms in the way we wouldn't have done before? And then how do we train our own people to be able to service customer demand So we looked across the whole of HMRC, not just the traditional customer service groups, but actually colleagues who might traditionally have done quite different roles in HMRC, you know, compliance colleagues being a great example, and basically said, come and join this conversation. They were being trained remotely and digitally. We had virtual floor walkers. So those are people who um, are the people that our colleagues can turn to if they don't know what they're doing. So we set up a great big virtual infrastructure to help our colleagues to help our customers and then we went live with a view that we knew that most colleagues would be able to help most customers straight off and that we would then have tiers of support and to help customers in the more complicated circumstances but it is really true to say that in the weekend before we went live thousands of customer service and customer compliance colleagues in HMRC were giving up their weekend to be trained in stuff that they knew nothing about beforehand to make sure that when the phone lines opened, we were able to help as many customers as possible. And whether that be phones or web chat, the contribution and the flexibility of our people who knew that this was their contribution as a key worker, it was their way of adding to what was going on in the UK at that time. And the pride and the flexibility that they had in doing that, it was just, I was I couldn't have asked for more, actually, in the way that they disrupted their own lives, knowing what the deadlines were. And yeah, this obviously was a huge project for the department to do alongside, as you said, the ongoing work of the tax and benefits collection and administration. 
with that effort that you mentioned from, from the staff, it sounds like it was a huge collective effort across across the department. Were there any kind of capacity struggles or or crunches that, that the department faced, particularly when the scheme was, was rolling out? There were definitely points at which, you know, the service fluctuated, but we did make decisions to not do some other things. So you'll know that we we lessened down some of our debt collection activity during this period of time. We did stop some of our compliance activity during this time. So the conversation that we were having as a leadership team in HMRC, but also with, with our ministers, was to sort of lay out that that kind of real broader landscape that said we aren't doing these things it's not possible for us to do these things these features of us as a as a tax authority we are prioritizing these other things and therefore that means then that um, you might find that business as usual performance on some of these services swings around a bit because we think that the most important thing that we need to do right now is to support citizens and businesses on these COVID-related economic schemes. We knew that there would be some fluctuations. Actually, we did far better than we thought we were going to do. As you can see from the stats, and you'll see when eventually the quarter two stats come out, actually, we managed to deliver our business-as-usual services with far less fluctuation than we worried might be the case, given what we were thinking might be the situation on the overall volumes that we were going to get. We were kind of braced for what might happen. So always plan for the worst and, and get the best, which uh, I'm really pleased was definitely our position. Yeah, it was rolled out at great pace. The statistics, as you say, that are being released show the other services that were kind of maintained while, while it was being done. When you look to, to return to something approaching business as usual, does this show kind of what HMRC can do, both in rolling out new schemes and developing new services while maintaining the levels of customer service or is there an extent to which this was kind of so unique that perhaps you don't want to draw too many lessons from from what can be done in a kind of more normal environment? So it is absolutely true to say I hope that what we've been able to demonstrate to the country at large to anybody who looks just what a fast-paced, dynamic and delivery-focused organisation HMRC is. I know that lots of people will always have an opinion on HMRC. You know, it will be wrapped up in their views about tax, no doubt. But I, I do think that we have been able to perhaps demonstrate just the capability that we've got as an organisation. In terms of what that tells us for the future, we have definitely done some reflecting, like I think many organisations have done, around what this teaches us. So what did we do differently in the way that we managed our delivery of these services during this time, which actually are lessons which we should hold on to, lessons which we should take on into our business as usual environment. And we've done a a lessons learned piece, picked up all the great stuff we've done and thought about how we roll that forward. It is true to say that we did have some fairly unique circumstances here. So I mentioned to you earlier that we did far less debt collection during this period because that was the right thing to do. We did less less compliance activity because that was the right thing to do. Once we are fully back to being a tax authority, you know, there will always be limits to just what you can take on. So I, you know, I've been, we've been clear with ministers that, you know, we we can't just keep doing everything all of the time. There's always got to be priorities. But 
I think HMRC, like many civil service departments, but also actually many businesses across the UK, will have really learned some things about how you can go about delivering services to customers, supporting and focusing on your colleagues, being a bit braver, actually, about the pace with which you might put some change in, and that actually some really great things can happen when you when you do that. And amid all these big changes, you started a new job. You took on the role as second perm sec. How was that changing roles during this period of great pressure on the organisation and just a kind of slightly weird life generally? Yeah, so it isn't ideal to go through a very rigorous recruitment process whilst you're simultaneously trying to lead <laughs> through a global pandemic. So definitely was slightly weird trying to turn up for interviews and do all of the very rigorous things that uh, have to go on. And I was incredibly thrilled to have the opportunity to to take the role on and, and work to support Jim Harrow as the chief executive. I've been doing the job now for three weeks or so. I started the job at the beginning of August. And again, it's really intriguing to step into a different leadership role when you're trying to do all of that virtually. So, you know, if you think about traditionally how we build relationships, how we participate and work collaboratively with our colleagues, being together is part of that. You know, some of those kind of human interactions are a key part of how you make those connections and you build trust And so I was very fortunate, obviously, I moved inside an organisation where I knew everybody already, but moving into a different role and trying to establish that different role and doing it through the 12 inch by 10 inch, which is the screen of a Surface Pro, it's definitely been intriguing as a way of going about it. So, I mean, you probably have to ask Jim if he thinks how well I'm doing at it, but um, I'm still here three and a half weeks in, so it probably can't be that bad. Was it a complete stop with your previous role when you started the new one? Or was there kind of bits of the previous role that you've kept coming into to your new job, both in kind of in general terms and in terms of the, the kind of coronavirus response I imagine you've had to carry on with? So I'm, I've been incredibly fortunate to be able to appoint somebody temporarily into the role whilst we go out to do our formal recruitment, as you know all senior civil service roles are rigorously competed externally and the customer services role in HMRC will be coming out as a job advert very shortly. But I have an incredibly capable colleague, a gentleman called Carl Kahn, who was in my customer services team, who we've temporarily put into the DG role. And because he and I have worked together so closely for many years, actually not just in HMRC, but in prior times in DWP, We already have a really cracking relationship. He has been absolutely implicit in everything that customer services has been doing in the last three years when I've been leading it. So I had complete confidence and trust in being able to hand it sort of pretty much lock, stock and barrel over to Carl. And uh, he's been fantastic in being able to therefore give me the space to try to step into my new role. I am accountable for customer services in my new role. So therefore I've not retreated very far But one of the things that I always think is really important when you get promoted is that you get out of the way of the person who then steps in behind you. Otherwise, you can become a very unhelpful boss. So I'm trying to make sure that I support Carl, but get out of the way to allow him to effectively lead the very particular things that customer services needs to be focused on. When you look at the other parts of the second perm sec role that you've now taken on, things like 
the um, transformation program, NHMRC, change management, things like that, is kind of how you think you will approach them going to be coloured by the by the coronavirus response? Do you think the organisation needs to kind of perhaps refresh some of those, those plans to take account of, as you said, the, the way it was able to, to respond at such pace to COVID-19? Absolutely. I think I'm, you know, sometimes timing is, is massively helpful. And I actually take on this role as second permanent secretary at a really, actually a really great time because we were already, as I've mentioned, a part way through a really exciting transformation. So an awful lot of the building blocks of the things we need to do to keep moving the HMRC strategy forward, we are, we are well progressed with those. We are about to do a new spending review. So I'm taking this role at the opportune time to be able to help shape and craft what it is that we need to do going forward in order to be able to deliver our government policy and the future for our HMRC strategy. And we have, through this experience of the coronavirus and what we've done as an organisation, but also uh, the experience of our colleagues, it is a real chance to sort of take all of those things together and really reflect on how do we, as an effective organisation, do things that we maintain because they are fantastic and we have really served as well, but also to really challenge and change some of the things which actually as a learning organisation we really should do as part of this. And this isn't just a question for HMRC. I think what we've demonstrated is that HMRC is a really pivotal part of the cross-government environment. You know, we are one of the largest departments. We hold pretty much more data than most of anybody else. We have been the go-to place when it's come to delivering services. So when thinking about how transformation works and how we move HMRC forward, it's partly about delivering our accountabilities as a tax authority, but it's also about being a really positive contributor to the broader uh, civil service agenda and the broader way that uh, we as a civil service deliver all aspects of government policy. So a fantastic, it couldn't be a more of an exciting time actually for me to have this role. And yeah, just a final question kind of on, on that point, you know, we've gone through Brexit, the planning for, for Brexit last year. I thought at least that 2020, once we got the Brexit agreement passed, would maybe be a little bit of a fallow year in terms of demand on civil servants while the trade negotiations were ongoing. But then we had coronavirus and then we'll have, as you say, a spending review and then the implementation of whatever trade agreement there is with the Brexit talks from January next year. Does how the kind of civil service reacted to coronavirus and how it's reacted kind of implementing all the planning around around Brexit make you confident that it's going to be in a position to cope with kind of whatever comes down the track in the the month and, and years ahead? So like you, I if you accumulated up and had said at the beginning of this year that I we will have face the end of EU transition and we will have a global pandemic and HMRC will do what it needs to do, I would have been sceptical <laughs> in terms of the sheer scale of what that looks like. And obviously we still have, and HMRC plays a really pivotal role in how the mechanisms for clearances of customs are at the borders. So some of our bigger challenges are, are still to come as HMRC. But one of the things that I think is absolutely true is that HMRC and the civil service more broadly 
is full of incredibly willing and capable and flexible colleagues. And if you set them a challenge and you give them clear direction and you support to be able to deliver against that, then actually we are we are probably the most capable organization of being able to make things happen. Now, that doesn't mean things go right all of the time, but if you think about the scale of what we are able to consume and then turn around and make a difference to citizens, actually, I, I think that um, there is no better organization to be a part of than the civil service. Uh, and that is a shameless plug. I mean, immensely, I'm immensely proud of everything that the civil service more broadly has done. So I think that there are definitely challenges to come. If you think about where we are here, it's August. We have not yet finished delivering the uh, COVID schemes for the country. So there's still, you know, there's still more of the job retention scheme to do. There's still various things that are still left to finish. We have got an awful lot to do to prepare for the end of the transition period at the end of December and have a effective and functioning border in the various places where that's necessary. And we still are in the middle of the pandemic, realistically. Our colleagues are all not back in the office. We still have colleagues with uh, health concerns and you know, life is still not back to normal. So I think that as a leadership challenge, it is undoubtedly, we are probably going to look back on 2020 as probably one of the most stretching things that we've ever had to do. But as a contribution from every colleague, who has done their piece in order to be able to make a difference to that, then you know, I think that we may well look back on 2020 as being one of the most magnificent years, certainly that we at HMRC, but as the civil service of the difference that we have been able to make to the country. I think that's almost undoubtedly true and a good place to end. Angela McDonald, the Second Permanent Secretary at HM Revenue and Customs, thank you very much for joining us on the Civil Service World podcast. Thank you. So thanks to Angela for taking part in this special edition of the Civil Service World podcast. Keep an eye out for more interviews with civil servants who have been involved in the government's coronavirus response. And if you have a story of officials who have been at the sharp end of the public service response to the pandemic, please get in touch to share your stories. We'd love to hear from you and speak to as many people who have kept the country going as possible in these very unusual times. You can find our contact details on the Civil Service World website or I am on Twitter. Please let us know your experiences and how your department or organisation has responded in these unprecedented times. And thank you very much for listening. <laughs>